I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Welcome to another episode of Astro Radio Z. As always, I'm your host, Derek Carey, and what you're about to listen to is part two of the Not Holiday Horror Geek Fest, where my two buzz, John Pata and Kevin Summerfield, hung out with me last week, and we had this astronomically long geek session where we first intended to talk about holiday horror films with you guys, but as what happens when the three of us get together... We talked about every other horror film on the face of the planet and forgot. Well, we kind of didn't forget. Holiday horror actually comes up in this episode, but not for very long. So, if you're looking forward to hearing three filmmakers just wax nostalgic about old horror films and talk about new horror films such as Unfriended and It Follows, listen no way at this episode because we talk at length about both of those two films and the potential longevity factor of any horror film nowadays in this streaming environment. So, also want to give a shout out to Hell's Bells, who's providing the background music and end music for today's episode. You can check them out at Twitter and at hellsbells.co.uk and reverbnation.com forward slash the Hell's Bells. The song you're listening to right now is Overload, and at the end of the episode, you'll hear Desire Me. So, big shout out and thank you to those guys. If you have music that you'd like to promote and play on Astro Radio Z, contact me. I'd love to play underground, metal, punk, alternative, anything. Get it to me. I'll play it on my show. If you just want to contact me to talk to me, you can get a hold of me at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. You can get a hold of me on Twitter. You can get a hold of me at the Astro Radio Z Facebook page. Or if you're looking for all the back episodes, go to astroradioz.com and everything is there, including all of the episodes of Film Jerks and the Stooge Cast. So, without further ado, here's part two of Not Holiday Horror.
let me tell you. I don't know. I have fun with them. I started watching, and Amanda and I are going to do an entire episode yeah. on, on yeah. the, because I got the box set. Yeah. Well, I saw you've been watching. Yeah, so I watched the first two. I'm not going to say anything, Bob. I'm just going to say oof. Well, and I just take them for what they are. And I saw all of them except for the latest I haven't the, seen the latest one either. But I've seen them all in the theater, which makes, I think, makes a huge difference. Sure. Because I, every time I went, it was either opening night or it was when they did the $5 Tuesdays. Okay, so the sure. theaters were always full. And it was just fun. It was, as, as I'm sure we all feel this way, we don't get scared of movies anymore. Right. right. And I don't have that kind of response. So when I can go to a theater and I'm surrounded by people having that response, it makes me smile. So am I saying they're good? No, they're not good. They're fun, though. And and seeing them in that way, it's always been fun. Well, one thing that I thought was interesting was uh, you. we talked a little bit about John Waters was that he did an interview, and I mean, he's a big horror fan. He, he loves movies in general. Yeah, it doesn't matter what they are. Yeah. They asked him, like, you know, what what's, like, your favorite horror series? And he actually picked Final Destination because he said for a movie series today, that's as close as mainstream audiences are going to get to pure exploitation film, where you are literally setting up characters just, just to have to them die. die. Sure. And I will tell you, like, with the paranormal activity, like, it just kind of run itself into the ground. The ending to the last Final Destination is the perfect capper. I hope they don't make any more. Like, it's just... I think that's dead. I don't... I, don't, I haven't yeah. heard rumblings about been, that. God, it's been, yeah. what, like, five years yeah. since the well, came out? Even longer. The ending... Taps into the first one perfectly. I'm trying to remember. That. I I, I, I only saw the first two or three. Mm. What was the one? Dude. What was the one with the with the fence that chopped somebody up? That's the two. second one. Okay, that I was think the last the second one. Second one is so much fun. Oh yeah, like, yeah. The second one. The, it, is the third one where uh, they go like the college football team is involved and stuff. Um, yeah, the third one's the roller coaster. Yeah, like the that. third. I think I might have seen pieces. Of oh that yeah, no, one. the third one was pretty good. The fourth one was the race car one. Yes. That one was kind of a... That one was, like, my least favorite of the bunch. But, dude, there's this gymnastic scene in the fifth one. <laughs> you need to watch. Yeah? Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Well, They're fun. Do you remember the twist in five? Uh, it's vaguely coming back to me now. <laughs> well, and I don't want to wreck it for you. I mean, are you going to watch I'm it? I more than likely am never going to watch it. Okay. Unless so, these assholes that are my listeners on my show pick Final Destination as the next franchise oh, we do. Oh, yeah. Because that's up on the boards. If, if you guys haven't seen it, check out on Astro Radio Z Facebook page or email me at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com and let me know what shitty franchise we're watching <laughs> next year. There's already been rumblings. <laughs> Final Destination has come up. But unless unless that comes up, I'm okay. more than likely not so, going to So, watch spoiler alerts. I'm going to give away that name for Final Station 5 in all honesty. Like you said, like if you haven't watched it yet, you're probably never going to watch it. The ending of 5 has the characters that survived 5 get on the plane for the original. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, interesting. Oh, so it comes all the way back. Around. Oh, okay, okay. And what's so great about 5 is you can rewatch it and say, like, like when I was watching, I'm like, these people have like old cell phones and like there's like they're playing like 90s music and it's stuff like that that you, huh. like, you have that ending. You're like, okay, that's why. And so the movie, the whole series is supposed to be just one big circle. Right. And what really works is everyone's like with part four. They're like, you can't call it the final destination because you got five. Well, five is actually a prequel. So four does work as the final destination because that's technically the last one. 
And I'm like, this actually, they actually went into some. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I give them some credit for that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's a, that's some Saw kind of shit right there. Because I think Saw is the same thing, though, mm-hmm. where I think all that movie was was a setup for, for people to get chopped up because mm-hmm. the stories yeah. were bullshit in that series. But, well, but the first one is not that, though. You know, the first one is not a gore picture. Mm-mm. The first one, is, I, I thought the first one was actually a pretty great mystery. The and first one's really fun in the theater. Yeah. That was an and insanely fun movie. Of course the it has its problems. Yeah. You know, but they filmed it in 18 days. Mm-hmm. And they had a limited budget. I still think the first one is a really great movie. Like, I enjoy it every time I watch it, which has only been a couple times. Sure. But the the, the idea that everyone has of a Saw movie where it's like this intense yeah. gore and everything... That's a sequel. That's Saw 2 mm-hmm. and on. The first one is not like yeah, that right. at all. The first one well, I actually think had a great story. And it's then they just very much like it. Nightmare on Elm Street. Like if you if you ask like a, a regular person that just knows about the series, like, oh, like pretty killing people and like these, like, but they're they're gonna mention stuff that happens in the sequels exactly. as opposed to the original yeah, because right. the original really didn't it's like Friday the 13th too. Like it didn't set the template for what that series became. Correct. I thought the first two nightmares were pretty similar in mm-hmm. tone. Like but that series, I thought it, it uh, when it hit Saw three. Like I actually liked the first two. I thought the the second one in the theater was pretty fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, with that needle pit. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then the and then the third one, like the story just jumped the bolt. Yeah. Yes. It's with Absolutely. the third one that all of a sudden it becomes a horror movie soap opera. Oh. Where it's yeah. like, oh well, remember this character who's in this one scene? Well, there's this box and there's this. Well, no, they're retconning like, it. Yeah. That point. Like it's just it's too much, and I mean. Like, like I said with the final destination, like, you don't really, uh, with the exception of the very end for five, like, they don't pander to the audience. They give it exactly, like, what I love about that series is it's kind of what New, New Line did at their best. Like, they knew their audience, they knew what they wanted, and they really delivered it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want final destination and you want creative deaths, and, you know, that's kind of one of the few things that, like, I mean... No really modern horror series I can think of really kind of builds the suspense of those movies because they play on that death for so long. Yes. And when you watch it for the first time, and especially if you haven't, I mean, even if you've seen it, if you haven't seen it in a while, like you keep thinking, okay, well, this is what's going to happen. Yes, like, for no, sure. like it's for the sure. whole, you know, Rupert Goldberg effect where it's like, okay, well, no, that's not going to happen. And I think two is actually the best of that series at kind of playing that out. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just so many moments in that. I mean, one of my favorite deaths of all time is kind of the whole airbag thing from part two. Yeah, like, right, right. Where it, the, the they put this whole build up and literally it just happens. Like, there's, Well, that's kind of like how that gymnastic scene mm-hmm. is in five. Yeah. And they say, oh, man, they just toy with you the whole yeah. fucking time. Yeah. And then the payoff is just outstanding. Yeah. And it's this, too, like, the with five, with, like, the whole, like... LASIK surgery like her just being like it's just like the laser just like going crazy at her eye (laughs) (laughs) were you guys fans of uh, the collector series there's only two of them, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I laughed my fucking ass off in the first one when the dog got shot with the shotgun. Oh, my Because that came out of nowhere. There was so much gore, and I was laughing so hard, a woman in front of me turned around and just said, fuck you, <laughs> because I was laughing at the dog. That part was hilarious to yes, me. Yes, yes. Those two would be good for me to go back and watch. Yeah, I, I thought the, watch the second one I thought was really good. Yeah. I thought it had some of those elements. Like, like after a while, the, 
the Saw series, like we had just yeah. talked about, just jump the shark. I thought it took the the points that worked about the first two and kind of elaborated okay. on them. I thought the the collection that was the sequel, right? Yeah, the collection. Yes, right. I thought that was really well done. Where the first one just didn't really right. hit for me. Well, because that was Marcus and Patrick that wrote like Saw four through seven. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and I think they even said that the first one was basically a rejected Saw script that they just kind of changed oh, around. Interesting. Or, or, or yeah. like a concept for a Saw well, movie. And I mean, it's really like even like the Saw two script. I remember that was originally something else, mm. and they they okay. reworked it. Sure. Like it was just all these strangers that were just randomly sure. sent to this house for whatever reason, and. They just kind of added in Jigsaw with that, but... And I think when when The Collector and The Collection came out, I was just so done with Saw. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, I looked at them as I was like, okay, well, yeah. these are these are non-Saw Saw movies. Mm-hmm. So I they would be good for me to go back and rewatch. Yeah, I would especially watch the sequel okay. again. I okay. do remember liking the sequel more. I think that, much like you, when The Collector came out, like... Every horror movie was like that. They just kind of had yes, that yeah. same cinematography, yeah. same look, yeah. like same kind of gritty, but not like that fake Hollywood gritty. Right. That doesn't really work. And yes. I did like the sequel better, but I need to rewatch the original because I think that it was just, it was too much like everything else that was out. And I don't remember not liking it, but. There were some weird turns at the end of that movie yeah. that I did not buy whatsoever like it totally took me because i thought the first one was kind of a, a neat little cat and mouse movie mm-hmm. but at the end it was just like okay well that was fucking really stupid mm-hmm. but the second one felt like like there were some set pieces in that movie that were just like man i would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that set mm. and see how they pulled off some of yeah, that that's, stuff yeah that's good i'm definitely gonna revisit those yeah now i got a question just because i'm thinking about theater experiences and stuff what was the last horror film, or one of the last ones you can remember, you were super amped up to see, you saw it in the theater, you left feeling very positive, and even on a rewatch? Oh, even on a rewatch? Yep, yep, yep. Like, like, like... Like it sustained. Yes. Uh, you might have to come back with me because I, I was thinking you were going to go with it the, where <laughs> upon the rewatch it just didn't click and that was the Friday the 13th remake. Mm, like Friday the okay. 13th remake, I left that theater thinking, man, I had a good time watching that movie and then I got yeah. it on DVD thinking, oh man, that movie stinks. <laughs> but come back to me on that one. Let me think, Kev. My pick is like 10 years old. That's like, fine. I, I mean, think- just one that comes to mind. And I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that it's still my favorite going movie experience ever. But when I saw Freddy vs. Jason in the theater, at, like the audience just clapped after yeah, every that was a good They time. knew what the movie was. Sure. And even watching it today, I like there's there's script problems, you know, there's acting problems. It doesn't matter because it's still It's great. It's a fun can, movie. It's great. so much fun. It's, it's just yeah. it's well paced. It's the cinematography is gorgeous. Yeah. Like it's just it it like how I describe that movie is that it's better than it had any right to be. It sure. should have been sure. god awful. You're putting these two concepts together that shouldn't have worked. And it's you know, there's like a million, you know, scripts that were out there for that. 
I'm kind of glad that they picked the one that they did because I think that it all kind of gels together well enough that it's one of the rare horror movies as of late. And I mean, granted, it's over 10 years old, so I can't even say it as of late, but it's one of the few that satisfies hardcore fans. But if you're a new horror fan, there's enough of a personality to it mm -hmm. where you can still have fun with it. And that's so rare in horror today. Super rare. Yeah. Super rare. So yeah. I, guess, I think that'd be my pick. Oh. Right. <laughs> See, all I remember, just like, it, it's been a long time since I've seen right. any good horror movies in the theater. Right, right. A really long time. And I think for me, it's 30 Days of Night. I was, that was a good one. I was, I'm not the biggest fan of the comic. I I love the premise of it, but I thought the comic was mm -hmm. heavily flawed and yeah. poorly written. Yeah. But I loved Hard Candy. And when I found out David Slade was doing yeah. 30 Days of Night, and then Weto was doing effects, and I just mm -hmm. remember getting, like, Fangoria and Rue Morgue and Horrorhound, and they had their articles. Mm -hmm. I remember, like, riding the bus to work and being so excited. It was like being a kid again, reading Fangoria and getting excited to see a movie. And went to the theater. I really enjoyed it. But I did leave being like, okay, that was really good. But, yeah, okay, I think it was good. <laughs> And I watched it when I got home, or like when it hit DVD, and that's when I truly loved that film. And I, I don't know. I just, there was so much in that theater experience mm -hmm. that it just delivered. It made vampires scary. It had great effects. The cinematography was wonderful. It improved upon the original source material. As a, I mean, I still think that's, that's easily one of my favorite vampire movies. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was just, uh, I missed that feeling of like, you're getting a good horror movie mm -hmm. and you know it before you go in there. Right. Well, I think like at least for, for, I guess, mass market, mainstream, whatever you want to call it for horror movies, I honestly think probably 2003 was our last really good year because we had Final Destination 2. I mean, it's not great, but I mean, Wrong Turn, Willard, uh, Cabin Fever, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, which is still better than most of the remakes today. Like, these were like main. These are mainstream movies, though. They got a wide release. To have, I I would have taken any one of those today, as mm -hmm. opposed to having ten. I mean, it, there was a lot of really good like indie stuff too, like May and like stuff like that. Oof, where May. <laughs> I love that movie to death. <laughs> it's one of my like, favorite movies. But I feel like that was kind of the last year where you kind of and it was kind of like the the really kind of the starting of when DVD really became big where they were where they were willing to take more chances on cult films because they realized that they're going to pick them up on dvd and it's going to be big i mean a movie like heaven fever might not make you know a huge opening weekend but lionsgate's gonna make a killing on the dvd and i feel like that's kind of the last year that we really kind of had mm -hmm. people that at least studios take chances on films mm -hmm. well i have one that's coming out that might be a satisfying theater viewing and I do think it is a studio taking a chance and it happens to be holiday horror as well <laughs> in uh, Krampus uh, I can't be sold on it no I don't know there's something about it that just isn't clicking with me it isn't doing it for like the trailers aren't really sure. doing it for me maybe May, and I, I will say I am coming from being an insanely huge trick or treat fanboy like I know we were going to talk holiday horror, but Trick or Treat to me is the best holiday themed horror film ever made. 
I mean, not just Halloween speaking. I think it is the best holiday themed horror film. Okay, well, this is a good way to transition right, into well, this. Like okay, that? let's do this then. Let's finally do this because I was gonna know what I was gonna do. I was gonna stop the episode and then we could we, we were gonna just then finally do the real episode. <laughs> but let's make this epic episode. So okay. go ahead, Kev. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just gonna say with with that movie, like, are you worried at all that it's PG thirteen? Yes. So so th- I found out, I don't know when they announced that that it was gonna be PG that Krampus was well, gonna be PG thirteen. But um, actually, I'm not going to give out the person's name because they're not supposed to say anything about this. Uh-oh. I know somebody that saw a test screening of it in September. Okay. He's like, it's definitely PG-13. Okay. Well, and he had a lot of problems with it. Sure. And the, the, the idea of it being PG-13 doesn't bother me in the sense that, oh, maybe we're not going to have gore mm-hmm. or anything like that. Because really, Trick or Treat isn't a very gory right. movie. Trick or Treat... When you get past the charm of it, it's really dark. Yeah, it's a super dark yeah. movie. And that's that's what I love about it. So when I saw that Krampus was going to be PG-13, that did kind of bum me out. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remain optimistic yeah. still because I want a dark mm-hmm. Christmas movie. Like, when I saw, when I heard that Michael Doherty was going to be making a Krampus movie, I'm thinking, oh my God, how many kids did we see die in Trick or Treat? And that was yeah. beautiful. How many kids are going to die in a Christmas movie? So I do fear that they're not going to have the balls. Mm-hmm. And that I'm trying to remain optimistic. And this and, is the yeah, first I horror mean, movie this year that's come to the theater that I'm excited to go see. Oh, yeah. There, so, this year has been really weak because I'll be honest. And I know, Kev, you feel completely different about this. But I thought the, the one movie that was hyped that was going right. to lead us to same salvation, it, it follows, really fell flat for Same me. here. Same like, here. that was a horrible movie-going experience for me. Well, it's funny because, I mean, I loved It Follows, but at the same time, like, that's not even my favorite mainstream wide-release horror film of the year. What is so, it? Unfriended. Okay. We had this conversation yeah. at your house. We'll get to that. Let's let's keep on yeah. point, though. Yeah, let's yeah, keep yeah, on yeah, point yeah. for holiday horror. Yeah. So, anyways... And I still firmly believe the darkest, slimiest ass holiday horror film ever made is Silent Night, Deadly Night. I knew you were oh, sure. That. Well, yeah. okay. One thousand percent. Especially after they when they re-released it in the theaters a couple years ago yeah. and watching it again. And that was the R-rated cut. It wasn't the unrated cut that we've grown accustomed to in the home video. Right. So it was kind of neutered. But that movie is so fucking slimy. Yes. And it, so it, dark. It really is. It really is, and I, the the grandpa, that that I mean, <laughs> you scared? You would never see that in a fucking movie today. Where like a grandpa's poisoning his grandson's oh, brain. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and then yeah. the kid sees Santa kill his dad and then rape his mom. Yeah. I mean, fuck. <laughs> that movie is fucking insane. It is. But the greatest. It's interesting. You. you Trick or treat. Oh really? yeah. And I will make really? my argument for it if you but you you go on. Gremlins? I'm not the I oh boy. I'm gonna lose I lost you on the Argento thing. I'm not the biggest Joe Dante guy. Oh wow. Well, so, well no, I, I knew this because you and I have had howling talks. Oh fuck God. Yeah. I mean Oh fuck God. Pir- Piranha <laughs> is the Joe Dante movie I really like. Oh my god. My favorite, my favorite Are Joe you Dante film is Gremlins too. I like, love Gremlins it's too. It's so insane. Like that's the kind of mainstream Hollywood sequel you would never get sure. today. 
Like, no, that's for sure. And, and How like do you get Gremlins. something like that funded now? Yeah, something that's like so a seventy million dollar budget on a satire yeah, on a goofball, yeah. like basic, <laughs> like just throw everything at the wall kind of movie. And I like Gremlins. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I yeah, do yeah, like yeah. it. And and to go back to Krampus about being PG thirteen, I'm hoping maybe Krampus can be the new Gremlins. Mm-hmm. Where, because you know, Gremlins was that PG? It's PG thirteen. It's, it no, it was PG. It brought in the PG thirteen yep. rating. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. so you know, I mean, that's a fun movie that horror fans can enjoy. Yeah. And it's and it's lighthearted, but it also has a little bit of an edge to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what Krampus is going to do. Hmm? Possibly. I mean, the the trailer looks like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I'm right. just not sold because we've been inundated with. Uh, maybe I'm just overloaded on Krampus for the last five of years. Sure. Everything's sure. Krampus cram- in the horror community. Maybe for the mainstream, this is really appealing. But yeah. to all those of us that have been in right. you know, the the scene for a while. Krampus, Krampus, Krampus every fucking year. I'm kind of sick of it. Right. I just like I'll wait to see how mm-hmm. this is. And yeah. I think if anything, the final girls proved to us this year that you can make an amazing PG thirteen horror is so film. So good. Uh, yeah. Do you want to have a Okay, uh, episode all about my dislike of the final girls. Oh, oh you no! <laughs> final girls was fine. The final yeah. girls was fine. I have a ton of problems with it. Yeah. It was a fun watch, but I don't. I don't see the love that everyone else has. Uh, for me, before. the final girls was the movie I wanted Cabin in the Woods to be. Okay, I, I can. I can agree with that. No. Almost. Like I felt like Cabin in the Woods was so snarky and so like above the material. The Final Girls felt like it was made by people who really loved these movies. Sure. And yeah. I, and I know this yeah. was studio mm-hmm. involvement, but, and this is one of my problems, not the main one, but I'm sorry, if you're going to do a love letter to the genre that is known for the violence and the nudity and, there's no and the sex, and, and you cut that up, yeah. you like cut around corners, I was watching it and I'm just like, this just feels cheap to me. And I know the studio made them do PG-13. And that's super unfortunate because I guess someone was telling me it's in the commentary that they talk about it. But my my biggest problem with it is that they tried to make a serious touching story in a dumb slasher movie. It felt like that was the part that worked for me. And that's what everyone else talked about. I actually teared up at the end because there's something about that that really works. It was really touching. I I really loved that story. And and I know a lot of other people I've talked to have felt the same way. To me, the the movie suffered from like multiple personality Mm -hmm. disorder where I was like, okay, Bam, you open up and you, you have that, that trailer that, that is that fucking awesome. And you're yeah. like, yes, this is this is an 80s slasher film, you know, the trailer for it. And then you try to have like the touching mom and daughter scene, and then the mom dies, and then you have the dick jokes, and then you have the meta as fuck dialogue, and then you have like the frat boy comedy, and then you go back to the lifetime melodrama movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just so confused and so exhausted in wow. where it was going. Wow, it's so interesting hearing that other is. people because for me it all fit together yeah. and I've talked so to a lot of well. people that felt that yeah. way and maybe, maybe a second viewing would totally yeah, yeah. And, and well in all honesty I, I like I've seen it three times now and I actually like it more with each viewing okay because I think that I did kind of have the tonal issues that you did the first time and then that second time I'm like this actually really works as this really kind of touching character piece mm-hmm. and there, there's moments in it especially when you rewatch it again like when you know like 
you know, how, how would you react? Like if you, you know, you're seeing, you know, your parent that you can't see anymore on screen and mm-hmm. you're having this reaction or this conversation with them, but it's not really them. It's them as this character. And there were so many sweet moments mm-hmm. w- between the two of them. And what's really funny is both of those actresses, I'm not normally a fan of, but I thought together they were really good. Like they felt, they had that really good too often, I feel like with especially studio films when it's mother daughter, they try to be like, "Oh, hey, we're best buds." Like it's like, like the sure. whole Gilmore Girls thing, and it always feels so forced. And this, like, it was so genuine. Yeah, like yeah. there's, and I and I like too the fact that like you you watch the movie and it was kind of like the kind of end scene with the two of them. You're like, okay, well, now I understand the title. And there's something very sweet about that where, you know, not to give too much away, but, you know, I I mean, it happens in the first five minutes the mom dies. But um, when she's like, you know, like, this time I thought I could save you. And there's there's something about that that, I don't know, I thought was really, really touching. And I guess, you know, and I'm I'm the biggest slasher fan I know. And the stuff that worked for me worked so much that I thought I was going to be like, ugh, like, they're not even going to show any gore. They're not even going to show any nudity. Like, what's the point? But the stuff that worked, I didn't even mind. Yeah, I I agree with you. Like, it didn't bother me that that stuff wasn't there because I was having so much fun. Right, and and they really pushed the envelope of the PG-13, though. Like... When the guy There's gets some like gore. thrown out of the car and is like, whole, yeah, whole body yeah. is. Well, and and I do want to point that I am not a person that needs gore mm-hmm. and sex in a movie. Right. You know, so it's not and it's not even so much that I feel like the movie needed it. Yeah, it just felt it was like you're doing such a good job at at paying homage and like being that fan love letter, but you're not going all the way. Right. So it felt like I just got the head. I didn't get yeah. the whole shit <laughs> in it. That's um, bad. And and in uh, in in talking about like the 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 mother daughter thing, you know, a few people said that that's what worked for them because if you took out that emotional element, you would just have another dumb yeah movie. Which I get that, and which I would hate it. Right, right. Yeah. And perhaps it's 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 not right to compare, but behind the mask is everything Final Girls wanted to be. For me, mm-hmm. we're behind the mask. Well, it hit. All I think the, they're two. It's like no, comparing and, apples and oranges. No, right, right, really. right, right. Those two though, like I think the final act of the final girls is the best part about it. Versus the final act for the behind the mask, it kind of just becomes like there's no kind of emotional. Payoff. I dis I disagree with you totally <laughs> okay. on that. Cause I think I think the, the beginning that that final act of behind the mask, if it wouldn't have had the reality based opening section. Mm-hmm. That would not work well, the, as well. I, to me, it was like all of a sudden when he became the slasher, it became a slasher film. Like, holy fuck! But like, right. I felt like I felt like the whole like first hour was so clever that I wish that with the final act they would have just done something more with it. I mean, the deaths aren't memorable. Like, even like his you know pseudo death, like. It just feels very... T- I, I feel like that's one of the rare movies that I feel like the first hour is so, so, so good that it's not that the last act is bad. It just, it doesn't, just doesn't live up yeah, to that. Okay, okay I, I get that. And, and while, yes, there, it's like comparing apples to oranges, but watching... They both aim to hit the archetypes and and the structure. And comment the on them. You and, know, right. So, yeah. like, they both Final Girls and Behind the Mask, they are hitting those beats that... 
slasher fans know and expect, mm-hmm. and they're putting a little spin on them, and they're doing something a little different with it. And I think Final Girls had some strengths in it, but for me, Behind the Mask just fucking nailed it. Mm-hmm. And and so in, I wasn't watching Final Girls being like, "Well, Behind the Mask did it better." Well, no, of but course it just, not. It right? just I, I don't know Final Girls. And again, I think a second viewing would definitely help. Mm-hmm. It just felt so all over the place, and it was not working. For I me. could I could see that there was there were just moments in that movie that I with I. I I did tear up. Yeah. Sure. It was really touching yeah. to me. Well, and, and maybe it's just that I'm a black-hearted individual. You are the, I really the coldest motherfucker <laughs> I've ever met I mean, that in very, my entire life. That very well, well could and be. And I will say, like... <laughs> <laughs> and my dad is dead, you know? So, like, oh, like you'd think I would have some well, sort of connection you to bastard. that. Well, you know that, like, a movie can... <laughs> bastard! <laughs> they, they... Did you... Did you yeah, got, you guys got the pieces. Yeah. Which now I'm like... Fucking hey, like teenagers are going to be saying the greatest thing in the world is smoking pot and having sex on a waterbed. Yeah, they won't even know. No, have Fuck no on. idea. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things with that movie that, you know, it's just it's it shouldn't have worked. Like, I I kept hearing about it for such a long time, and I mean, I'm obviously a huge slasher buff, and I had like two years of people telling me, oh, you must be so excited for this, yeah. and I th- I was going in expecting the absolute worst, and you know that a movie is really special, at least to you, when like, it can change something about pop culture, and I know for a fact that now, whenever I hear the song Betty Davis Eyes, I'm going to immediately think of the final okay. girls, sure. and that's when you know that a movie really hits you, because it changes something that you're familiar with in the past. It gives and it a new comment, exactly, connotation. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of yeah. the effect that movie had with me. And it's a slick film. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow, that film. The cinematography great. in that theater, like with the bottle rolling down. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, like, visually that's just so interesting. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if I had to kind of throw out, like, a recommendation, and, I mean, they're, they're two very different movies, but kind of another movie that I was a big fan of that a lot of people weren't. But if you like The Final Girls, I would recommend at least taking a chance on detention. because oh, I love detention. It's one of those things where, like, they're both kind of just off the wall. We're going to throw everything at you. It might not work. It, mm-hmm. I've heard that a lot about that. See, a lot of these movies you're popping up, I've just actively avoided. Okay. Oh, detention like, because they just never, worth, they never oh, yeah. seemed you, appealing to me. The thing about detention is you might absolutely hate it, but I can guarantee you, you will say that you have never seen a movie like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, that's and what I, I've heard. That is, yeah. I think, a huge strength. Of I mean, like, there's, like body swapping and a time traveling bear and okay I'm sold like, dude seriously like all <laughs> like, you have to say is time traveling bear you don't gotta say nothing else it is all over the goddamn place like, and I just rewatched it for 31 days of horror oh you did second time I saw it and I still just had an absolute blast with it it is one of the few movies that have come out recently that I had no idea where it was going but I love then, that yeah dude but yeah, I will tell I you that. especially as a slasher fan yeah the individual slasher scenes in that movie work so well. Like, if you were to take that, like, there's there's this movie within a movie called Cinderella that's so good. Like, they yeah. kind of do this parody of Saw. Yeah. And, like, they reference the fact that, like, oh, hey, I'm killing you because, like, you, like, of this mortal sin that you did. And, like, they play with that. And, like, mm-hmm. there's, like, like the like the, the, there's a Cinderella two and it's Cinderella three and like the oh well in order to figure it out we need to go back to watch Cinderella three and like they'll show like that and oh, it's, it's I mean Ron Jeremy's and like Cinderella four where it's like they turned it into a porn because that's what that series had become uh. and 
it that I will say like that movie is such an exhilarating watch more than anything. Dude, it, you're gonna be exhausted by the time yeah. you finish it. Good. Like it is, it is, it an, is crazy. It is an ADD mind yeah. fuck. I like, like I like flicks like that on occasion. Like there, movies like that work for me. Where something like to bring back to holiday horror. Things Killing Three doesn't work for me. Right. Have, you, have either of you guys? I didn't bother seen? with that one yet. It, it, I, no, I haven't either. Oh my god, it's this meta just piece of absolute garbage. Mm-hmm. Anyways, and uh, just to take it back to detention, just really quick, not to get away from the holiday horror, which is the uh, whole it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I I am. A I'll huge... do. It's a bait and switch perfect, at this point perfect. in this episode. We baited and switched. I love coming of age films. And I love, like, high school teen angst kind of, you know, finding yourself films. Detention not only does the slasher shit right, but they hit everything that you would want to see in, like, a coming-of-age high school movie. Yeah. And they, they do it in their own way. And it's just the, the, the two main films that they're taking and mashing together... They're so successful with both of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, and well that's I, a like, Simon Pegg kind of thing, you know? Right. Well, and there's, like, this real, like, all of a sudden out of nowhere, like, there's, like, a meteor. Like, there's a guy yeah. that's got a TV for a hand. Like, it's, like, it's so... Just, you guys don't got to sell me <laughs> on this motherfucker anymore. Like, I'm I, in. I'm balls like, deep. And I, I've talked to a number of people. It's one of those rare movies that somebody could say, Everything that they hated about it, and I couldn't, I couldn't disagree with any yep, of them. I, I, but they would I completely agree. be on my list of the stuff that I loved about it. Like yep, exactly, I can understand why anyone mm-hmm. would hate that movie. Like I really can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just for me, man, does it click? Yeah, it, it's it, just it's so. Uh, but I don't know how you watch movies when you watch it. Put the phone down. Put the computer away. Because yeah. I mean, I don't think a shot lasts for more than four seconds. And yeah. There is shit happening on the screen. Well, it's like, all like over, she'll all be like out. talking. That's like def- like she'll be like, oh, well, he's your stalker. It's like stalker definition, and it'll be like on the oh, screen. Oh, like, one of those. It's yeah. So yeah. like yes. I mean, I see sometimes that shit doesn't work for me. Sure. Like right. like Zombie Land. Sure. Where they pulled that bullshit that like annoyed the piss out of me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like where where it's like the where it would have the titles come up and this, all. Like, yeah. That's do a it. trope that's so overused. They'll do now. it once and they'll move on to something else. Yeah. It's not like a running theme throughout the movie. It'll mm-hmm. just be like and that's the thing is like you could take like any ten pages of that script and like you could pretty much shoot it in any order and it it's just so off yeah. the wall and nutty and mm-hmm. I mean Well that's kinda how did either of you see Deathgasm? I haven't seen yet. I want to. Yeah, that's just, they do the same. The first opening act of that flick is kind of like that too, where it's just constant barrage mm-hmm. of stuff hitting you, and then once it hits full steam, it's just a roller coaster. It's just okay. like an amped up heavy metal version of Night of the Demons. It's fucking okay. Great movie. Okay. Really fun movie. Yeah, I've looked at it on VOD a few times, but just never pulled the trigger. Eh, you, you can wait. Yeah. Anyway, for it. I'm sure it'll be streaming eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I still go to the video store actually, so. I could rent it off the shelf. Yep, you could. <laughs> you could do that. I, well, I was going to mention something based on what you were saying about detention. I don't remember. It's really great. It's really great. That's what I wanted to say, guys. Should we just, you know, call it a wash on this holiday horror I shit? I, I mean, mean, we could talk, yeah, I mean, we could talk about so. whatever, but yeah, I mean. I mean, because at this point, we're at two hours in the episode. Yeah. 
And we have literally talked about holiday horror for maybe like five minutes. I wasn't even five minutes. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to say two and a half. I would just say, fuck it. It's a wash. <laughs> you know, it's what I think it's one of these things where I'm, the title of the episode is going to be uh, holiday horror brackets kind of <laughs> well i guess though i mean if you want to count the halloween discussion that's I mean, true that's i mean i would almost be more inclined to call this an episode on franchises we talked more <laughs> yeah. about just franchises in general that's true zombie land that's what i was going to mention okay you want to talk about a movie that i loved in the theater and then i watched it at home and i was like what the fuck did i like about this movie mm-hmm. zombie land i saw it i uh, because this is the thing is you guys were talking about all these movies that you went and you liked at the theater yeah. I rarely got the opportunity to sure. go see these movies in the theater, so I saw them all at home. Sure. And, uh, like, it's really hard for me to sit and watch a lot of the new stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, 31 Days of Horror is the only time I really sit and actively, like, watch a lot of the new things and force myself to watch a lot of these new things because much of it I just. And maybe it's the crotchety old man in me. I'm getting mm-hmm. to this point in my life that I don't really want to take the time anymore mm-hmm. to watch a bunch of crap. Well, and it's really hard, too, because, I mean, we're living in a world where if it's not a sequel remake, it's an homage. And too often with I'm homages, so it's of like, it. well, if I wanted to watch that, I could just watch the original. You know, it's just it's really hard. And I mean, you know, you get kind of movies out there they kind of have to kind of stake their own claim, you know, movies like, you know, that do kind of play into the homage, like the final girls or detention. But I mean, even those like are very, they're rare and they're hard to find. I mean, even, I mean, I, I still don't really understand why they went for the PG 13 for the final girls. If they weren't going to give it a wide release. I mean, mm-hmm. right. What's the point? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And I mean, I'm, I'm actually shocked that Sony even bought attention because it's so weird. Like, yeah. I can't imagine who at that studio was like, oh, this... And I'm sure it was probably Josh Hutcherson, who's actually really good in the movie, and he's actually well, one of the... Wasn't it... It came out around the same time as Scott Pilgrim? Wasn't that yeah, uh, roughly around the yeah, same time? I, well, it came out like the week after... Um, yeah, this was later than that. It, this came out like the week after um, Kevin in the Woods. So, I mean, there was those kind yeah. of movies that are all these super meta movies that are hi- hyperactive, that that went into ADD culture. Because that's what Scott Pilgrim is, is right. ADD oh, nostalgia yeah. culture. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And that movie as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... So, this... I don't know. I'm going to try to figure out how to to bring this up in a way that will make sense. But do you think that the culture that we live in today with streaming services and with accessibility to basically anything and social media, do you think it's impossible for a movie to have lasting power? Because you... Uh, I, the, Give an example. Well, so it's like it's... Okay, so a movie comes out... I don't feel like five months after a release, I'm hearing any discussion about a movie anymore. You know, so like when It Follows came out, that was all the rage. But then I feel like... I'm but, still hearing about it. Okay. But I, I almost well, just feel like there's this sense to find the next great thing. Mm-hmm. And that we're so attuned to just to look into what else can we get? What else is playing? And social medias allow people to talk about movies all the goddamn time. Where when you had to go to a video store and you found a movie or it was covered in a magazine, I felt like it was a bigger moment. There's okay. This is this is a conversation that I've I've heard many people have, and and I feel that it is very pertinent to this generation right now. Is that there's 
the sense of ownership of film experiences now are gone because it's so dis- and this I mean please speak your mind after the after I get done with this little tangent but there's a there's a point where um we had to actively go and seek films out where now it's so accessible and mm-hmm. so convenient and so disposable in on streaming where you're just flicking through and just go boop right. and there it is um, that and and people literally and I catch myself doing this. I'll give a film ten minutes, and if it does nothing for me, I'll click it off and turn. Yeah. Where when you used to have to go to the video store and search through, mm-hmm. because I know each of us yeah. did this, where we sat and looked through every last box on that horror section in that horror Spend section. Spent an hour finding the shitty horror movie. Yeah. I want to watch the whole damn thing. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That sense of ownership. Is gone now. Yeah, and it's 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 always like, oh, I saw that. Let's move on to the yeah. next thing. But that's not to say that things aren't resonating because I think, regardless right. of our thoughts of what of it follows, that movie is resonating. Sure, that movie is going to live on. And I think Cabin in the Woods is also another movie that resonated, regardless of anyone's thoughts. Sure, I thought it was okay, but it, that movie's also living on. But to your point, Evil Dead. See, and that I guess that's kind of what I'm thinking. When Evil Dead came out, a lot of people were losing their fucking mind over it. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anyone mention Evil Dead in a year. Well, and I think that that's kind of the... It's a remake thing, Yeah, though. and well, it's also True. the kind of just the society we live in, whereas there's no middle ground. Every movie that comes out is either the best or the worst movie ever made. Like, there's mm-hmm. no in-between. And I don't know what's going to... I mean, we've actually... I've talked about this on my podcast before. We're like... I don't know what's going to resonate or what's going to kind of make a lasting impression. Like, I would honestly say of the movies that came out this year, at least horror ones, and we actually talked about this the other day, I think that Unfriended, which does have its flaws, says more about this generation and this society that we live in than It Follows does. And I think 10, 20 years down the line, that movie might be dated, but people are going to look at that as an artifact of its time of how people communicated. Mm-hmm. And I wish that we had more movies like that. That, you know, a year from now, they might be dated, but they're also going to have that last impact, like, almost like, you know, like Blair Witch Project. You know, you might love it, you might hate it, but it was very much a movie of its time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it, there are really any lasting answers as to what's going to last. Right. And you know, who knows if it's just going to be kind of forgotten about or, you know. I, I think, unfortunately, because you and I had talked about this um, off off the air a couple days ago that um, we both actually kind of enjoyed mm-hmm. Unfriended. Oh, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I thought I thought it, it spoke a lot to the generation, yep. this generation, and the and, and the the necessity and need and addiction yeah. to yeah. Well, social and like, media like, and to their devices and technology. And like me and you were talking, it's like the only horror movie to actually get technology right. They used yeah. real sights. They used real sounds. They used how people really communicate. And they used and, real time, which yeah. which really surprised mm-hmm. me. Because did you guys see The Den? No. That came out like two years ago Den. or so. So The Den is basically the same idea. It's all told through Skype, mm-hmm. but it's told over the course of like a month. Yeah. Or a month Who directed that one? I don't remember. I know a lot of people really liked it. I did not like yeah, it at all. Yeah, it was, I don't know. I, that I wasn't was, the one with Elijah Wood, was it? No, no, What no, was no. that one? Because that wasn't... Open Window? 
There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've always heard the correlation between those two movies, but I've never heard of this one. There's a tacked-on ending to the dead. They're like, I was kind of like, I was okay with it. The ending pissed me off so much because I felt like they made like this moral stance about why they had done what had come before it. And there was no reason for that. It completely took me out of the film. Like it, I, I thought Unfriended did a very similar, t- took a very similar subject matter, but did it in a much better, yeah, and more abs- um, fulfilling way. Absolutely, and we're like we're um, we're the dead again because it was spread over the course of a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. You're seeing like two minute conversations, and then you know the the window closes and it comes back up, right. and it's a week later. I guess I didn't expect that with Unfriended, but that's what I was familiar with. So when Unfriended happened to be in real time, I was like. Holy fuck! Yeah. This They're is sticking really to impressive. Yeah. yeah, and and it's the one movie I wish I would have watched on my computer because I felt like yeah. that would have been a better experience. And while I did like Unfriended and it has its problems, and yeah, the teenagers were fucking annoying, but I feel like that's a really accurate portrayal of right. what teenagers are like these I, days. I didn't feel like they were stereotypes, though. right? No, they agree. were just no. selfish Agreed. assholes. Yeah. Like, no, no. <laughs> what what I will give Unfriended is it was different mm-hmm. here is a movie that it's not your typical slasher movie it is not following the stereotypes that we see right. in the same formula it was not cookie cutter it was not paint mm-hmm. by numbers it was not a remake mm-hmm. it was its own type of right. movie which thank fuck i mean seriously like that <laughs> well, that's and, the one and it, w- it was pretty mean-spirited when yeah. it wanted to be yeah and it was mean-spirited in that like i liked that i mean there was a death that you know they turned the girl into a meme like they used technology towards the film and yes. what really worked about that movie i think and what really kind of resonated with it after that that first viewing and i saw it in the theater like and i just like loved it and it might have just been the fact that i just expected it to be god awful sure. yeah well and, uh, everyone you gotta be yeah. honest everyone's yeah. expectation were mm-hmm. bottom of the barrel yeah yeah that trailer was fucking atrocious <laughs> yeah it was just one of those things where it's one of the few horror movies i've seen as of recently that actually deals with the subject matter of bullying and handles it realistically but at the same time doesn't pander to the audience it tells what could actually i mean granted you're not well let's let's push aside the supernatural right yeah but everything about that could very well happen i mean as opposed to you know somebody would be like okay well well, why didn't you like like the carrie remake that just came out i'd be like okay well if they were gonna do bullying for this generation watch unfriended that's the way that people would bully today like Mm -hmm. they're not gonna do no fucking pig's blood like 70s that might have worked today that's not gonna work they would have made fun of her they would have done groups on facebook they would have talked to her about twitter and Mm -hmm. that's what worked about unfriended was that they used that technology for how kids can really be mean to each other and how mean you can be when you don't have to put a face behind what you're saying and and as we had discussed and and how absolutely necessary those devices and that form of communication were to those kids to the point that they could not walk away from it Mm -hmm. right that that she at points in the film the lead character the lead female was like compelled to keep texting her when 
really in no sane world would she want to keep. But because yep. the addiction is there, and it's a proven scientific chemical fact that certain responses are now going through our bodies per when we get dings and we get yeah. notifications and we get well, out, that there are processes mm-hmm. going on in your brain that send drugs and hormones through your body of pleasure yeah. for those things that you cannot stay away from it i think that speaks very highly mm-hmm. to how like the underlying message of that film yeah. is mm-hmm. the dangerousness <laughs> of this technology and this form of communication art to us intrinsically as people i think more than any other horror film as of recent and i mean there's definitely been better ones but if like that's like a thesis paper waiting to happen is is that movie and its effect on like and it's so funny in the fact that the audience that this movie was marketed towards is the same audience this movie is really a satire Uh, is about yeah yeah and i think that though they didn't get it like and unfortunately it's going to go away too Mm -hmm. where i think the reason why it follows is resonating more than Unfriended ever will be. One is because the marketing campaign was a joke, but two, because It Follows speaks about a broader subject, which is the inevitability of death. And once you grow up, right. all you have to look well, forward to is death. What sucks about Unfriended is like their online campaign was amazing. Like if you were on Spotify, like there was like Laura Barnes stuff that popped up, and like you would add her in front on Facebook, and she would talk to you and send you messages, oh, that's and cool. you could add like the characters from the movie, and they, they were having conversations with each other, and like awesome. that was really, really cool. good. Like I'm just like, and like there's this whole like. Laura Barnes, like, memorable um, uh, in memoratorium, like, for her. And it's like, oh, like, hey, remember this? And, like, they like they actually went, like, years back, like, and photos. And, like, the characters, like, commenting on these photos. Like, hey, do you remember this time when we were at prom? Like, I'm like, I didn't like the trailer. But when I saw the amount of work that they went into doing that, I'm like, like, hats off to Universal. Because they didn't have to do any of that. And... To kind of in this a, day and age, too, when a lot of that's kind of passe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's some Blair Witchy type mm-hmm. stuff, you know, where you're world building outside of a film. That right. just doesn't... People are too savvy nowadays. They yeah. just but, they, they don't buy that stuff like, anymore. They're still updating those pages. Like, I don't know who's doing it. Like, it can't be, like, any of them marketing. Cause See, to me, that's just like, fun. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. they're not it's trying to convince weird. you that it's real. Like, but no. <laughs> I just think that's really well, yeah. The comments are so, like, you got to go to that Laura Barnes page. It's like, yeah, like, she died. That was a movie. Like, the <laughs> comments God. are so... No, I, don't know like, I, don't know Laura's I don't know if I need to see those comments. <laughs> well, yeah, no, 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 no. Like, the, I saw the movie. You died. They're so funny. Like, and there's, like, the people that's like, well, no, that didn't really happen. They, no, like, I found this website. Oh, it's right right here. Like, no, like, that's, like, that in front of That is, that is William Castle shit in yeah, today's that's world. that's what I love. Like, that is, that, that is totally... William Castle would do yeah. that if he was around today. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I could just kind of, I mean... Well, it speaks to the di- disposable nature of most cinema now is that they don't go that Well, and I give them credit, too, for that poster. Like, do you remember, like, the poster they used? It was... It was, was just the search bar with, like, the right. Laura Barnes suicide. Like, that's all they had. Like, it wasn't, like, bad Photoshop. It wasn't, you know... They just mm. went with, like, that... Like, and when I saw that poster, it was before I even saw the trailer, like... It was just, like, those three words, like, in a search bar. And, like, 
I was at least curious. I'm like, what's this movie about? And I think way too often with movies today, you either have like the floating heads or bad Photoshop where like, they're like, oh, well, we have to cram 90 minutes into a movie and into, into a theatrical poster. And it was kind of like elements like that that I'm like, like you said with the, the whole William Castle experience or even like, you know, like Alfred Hitchcock where it's like the, you know, you see that, you'd be like, well, what's that? Right. Like, as opposed to just kind of laying it all out. There. Right. Well, they don't understand that minimal yeah. can do really well when it comes to posters. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, the Omen, that theatrical one sheet is, from a design standpoint, I think it is just absolutely gorgeous where you have the silhouette of Damien and his shadow is the wolf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And then you just have the omen on it. It's so minimal, but it's so effective. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that unfriended poster can be the same way. Mm-hmm. It's minimal, but it's very effective. Right. It piques your curiosity. It also tells you what the movie is loosely, you know, it's loosely telling you what it's mm-hmm. about, but you get an idea for it. Well, the and, unfortunate part of this is that it didn't just have a poster. <laughs> it had a trailer that right. played before every fucking movie I went to. This year in the theater, and that trailer was laughable. See, and the only time I remember seeing the trailer was before It uh, Followed. Yeah, that was for me, too. I, I saw it before Avengers. I saw it before a yeah, bunch. Of, and every time it played, the entire theater erupted with laughter. See, and I guess I don't... I remember the trailer ending, and there are people around me being like, well, fuck that, that looks stupid. And in my head, I'm thinking... I'm kind of like on your page. I'm kind of curious. I was curious, and it might have been the fact that like I'd heard from you, like other people. It's like, oh god, on front looks so goddamn awful. Like, and I I'd only seen the trailer that one time, and I was, I was very. It was more of just the how are they gonna pull this yeah. off? Like, I'm gonna have to watch the trailer again because I don't really remember. I, mean, I think it, it might have been just the environment that it was being mm-hmm. played in. It came sure. off so poorly. Yeah. Okay. So poorly. I had well, literally they, at least three separate experiences mm-hmm. where the entire theater erupted in laughter. And they play on some of the dark humor in the trailer, but out of the context of the film, it doesn't work. Like, like the whole like blender is in the trailer. Like, right. And that works in the movie, I think, because it's just like a quick flash, and that's what you see in the trailer. Like. But, like, that kind of stuff didn't really, like, it's just like, oh, well, is this supposed to be funny? Like, but I think that for the, the movie, it's... At the same There's time, nothing like, funny about that movie. No, it's a pretty somber piece. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like, I can't even really fault Universal because if someone's like, make a trailer based on this, I don't know what I would have done sure. either. Like, that's a very... It's, it's a hard concept to sell when... The movie is most critical of its target audience, and how do you balance that? And how, how do you how do you try and sell a movie that's basically Skype the movie, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's exactly what everyone mm-hmm. labeled it as. Yep. Well, that's Skype the movie, Skype yep, right. the horror movie. Yep. So, how do you really? Well, I watched it with my mom, and 15 minutes in, she like looks over at me, and she's like, "Is how a movie gonna be on the computer?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we watched that, and it. It follows back to back, and she marginally liked Unfriended more, but she really didn't like either one of them. Okay. And an hour, and an hour through It Follows, she also looked at me, and she's like, oh, well, they're going to explain how this how this started at the end, right? And I'm like, oh, you just have to find out. Like, <laughs> like I hate it. Both of those are both so stupid. <laughs> Dude, It Follows, I was with a couple other people, and literally 45 minutes in the movie, uh, the dude that I, I, I went with, him and his girlfriend, I look over at him, and he literally speaks what was going to come out of my mouth. And he goes, is anything going to fucking happen in this movie? Literally the words that were in my mouth. And I'm just like, 
thank you. I doubt <laughs> and you know what I said? I'm gonna go take a piss. I doubt I'll miss anything. And then I came back, he's like, yeah, you didn't miss anything. See, big problem for me with It Follows is harking back to what we were talking about, the Evil Dead remake. In the Evil Dead remake, they spell out everything that's gonna happen via the book. And they tell you, mm-hmm. and the first 10 minutes of It Follows, they tell you what that entire movie is gonna be. All suspense is removed from me when they say it's gonna walk after you, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, it's gonna catch up and it's gonna be there. So the whole movie, I'm going, okay, she's in school. It's gonna show up. Oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, now she's on the street. It's gonna show up. Oh, there it is. Now you know every, my exact thought about the paranormal activity movie. Sure, right, 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 absolutely. When it rumbles, something is gonna happen. Absolutely. When the bass rumbles and the sound mix, yep. oh, I, yep. I better pay attention because mm-hmm. something's good. And that takes the suspense out of yep. everything. Yep, and, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that yeah. for paranormal activity movies. And I thought the I thought the opening to It Follows was really strong where the girl comes running out of the house, mm-hmm. you have that camera spin, she runs away, and then you see her corpse all fucked yeah. up and like its legs bent yeah. back and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, curious. And then we get the rules that he says, no matter what happens, don't let it touch you. Don't let it touch you. Well, one, it touches the girl when they're on the beach because it plays with her hair and nothing happens. And then what happens when it does catch You're up to you? such a stickler for rules. When, when you <laughs> no, set it up and you, yeah, when yeah, you yeah. say to the audience, here are our rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when it does touch you, all it does is it humps you what? in a weird David Lynch fashion. <laughs> and like... Like that fucked up the body somehow. What, what yeah. I like though is like fucked up the what body. I think like to kind of go off that like that's what I actually liked about the film is like he's saying the rules based on what he thinks they are. Okay, sure. There's no like there's not like you know you don't have Lynn Shay come in and say like oh well here are the rules. Speak like, to my love. Right. Sure. So sure. I mean that's why I like like I think that that movie plays best wrong, like a chain letter where it's like okay well <laughs> well if it happens to one person <laughs> and sure. then it happens to another they're each going to have their own interpretation and it might be different and it might not work um it follows i loved it in the theater i didn't like it as much on video more of the fact that i had other problems with it mm-hmm. my biggest problem with the movie the and it pool scene no, i don't mind i was gonna say i, I was gonna say the fact that it has this amazing score that doesn't fit the movie whatsoever yeah my biggest problem is that this guy just gave you like this killer STD and nobody's upset with him at all. Like, sure. Like she's not mad. Her friends aren't mad. It's like, Oh, Hey, like, let's just play in the grass. And like, you can tell me about this. (laughs) Like, I felt like there should have been some kind of emotion there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like the fact that it kind of played loose with the rules because I feel like any of like the, the modern, like kind of like horror movies, like, I feel like they're too, there's too much exposition to the point where everything has to be laid out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. And so I, I kind of like totally that. Agree. And I liked, too, the fact that there were, like, references to other horror films, but they weren't, like, slap on the face. Like, the whole, you know, like, the, the armband, you know, like, Nightmare on Elm Street. And, like, the address at the beginning that the girl lives on is Nancy's house in Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's little things like that that a horror fan will notice, but it's not that smack on the head, yeah. you know, we're deliberately playing homage to this. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I I do, I think that there are a lot of faults with it follows that's another one of those movies like we talked about before i think it all depends on that first feeling and it either hits you or it doesn't yeah. and you might start to like it a little bit more or you might start to like it a little bit less but 
that that's really a one-time viewing movie and you might you might get some stuff out of it that you didn't the first time but it's that's one of those movies that has these layers to it and they they either gel for you or they don't and i think it's also another matter of presentation and i'm sure. gonna keep bringing this up and that's huge to me yep. is that the fact that this is an art house film mm-hmm. the reason i call it an art house film is because it's a metaphor the right. movie is entirely a metaphor right and it doesn't play by normal rules of uh, a usual straight-laced, you know, ABC mm-hmm. kind of linear plot. Mm-hmm. And the problem I have with it is that it is too thin. There is just not enough there for me to chew on to care about. Agreed. Mm-hmm. To, to truly, like, sink my teeth into... The overall theme and message that's being conveyed in that film beyond the fact that it would have been better in a smaller form. Right. I think if it would have been a good 25 well, minute to yeah. 40 minute film, yeah. it would that. have been very effective to me. Well, but like at if an that was hour, a Twilight Zone episode, it would have been outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you totally, but yeah. at a feature film no, right. length, it is too long in the tooth. And I and actually it's in, I never thought of it this way. Until you said that, but I think that's why so much shit in that film stands out to me is because it didn't have anything for me to grab onto. I it, it just presented this very flat kind of presentation that now I'm getting nitpicky and I'm noticing yeah. all this shit and I'm I'm getting one hundred percent. But but if there was something that I would have latched onto, if there would have been one character I would have given a shit about, if there would have been any sort of story going on. I would have maybe been distracted by that. And I've, and I've sat and listened to multiple podcasts and multiple people talking to me about this movie and how just, like, enamored they are with yep. the message and yep. all the details of things that are going on. And it just, to me, at this point, and I, I, I start to feel like maybe I'm superficial, and it, it, but I'm just like, but it's boring as fuck. Right. There's nothing for me to, like dig into in this movie Mm -hmm. because it's very superficial yeah like the details about it when you sit and talk about it sure there's a lot to sit and chew on absolutely but when you're watching it there's nothing it it just Mm -hmm. it's it's a vapid experience right yeah i mean it's i guess with it follows i mean what i think is really interesting is i know that when it first came out like so many people were comparing it to Halloween. I'm like, this isn't Halloween at all. I mean, style-wise, there's definitely some comparison. I think it's a soundtrack really leads yeah. people to, but I'm like, to that connection. This is totally a modern-day Nightmare on Elm Street. You got, I mean, from the boyfriend character living across the street with her trying to warn him with the phone, like, to this supernatural creature. That they can't escape. Right, yeah. that they're finding out the rules through kind of secondhand. Yeah. Like, and I think that... For me, maybe it's just the fact that I mean I got a hard on for Wes Craven, and I really, like, really. I, <laughs> well, and I, 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 I Let's get back to cursed. I boys. obviously love Nightmare on Elm Street, and I think that maybe part of the reason that I really like this film is I'm like, 
this is probably the closest we're ever going to get to a modern day Nightmare on Elm Street. And that might have been what I appreciated about sure. the film. Especially after watching the God Awful remake. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I couldn't tell you one thing about that remake. Mm-hmm. When I rewatched that remake two Octobers ago, I watched that and Halloween 2 together. First time I saw both of them since the theater. Hated my life. Again. <laughs> oh, like yeah. I did the first time. It was time like, around. oh, I remember what hell <laughs> feels like. No, and I... Uh, I'm gonna sound like a total fucking dick here, but I'm sick of being told how awesome things are. No, it's good because <laughs> it's a metaphor. Yeah, like yeah, there's films I love that are metaphors and that are a little bit more abstract, and and I get it. Mm-hmm. But a film isn't good because it's a metaphor. And I didn't like the Babadook, and I didn't like It Follows. And every time I talk about it, people will say, "Well, you're just not getting it because it's a metaphor." It's a metaphor. I get what the fuck metaphor is. It has to resonate is. with you. It has to communicate right. to you. Right. And it's not going to be, and that's why I call it an art house horror yeah, film, absolutely. is because right. it's absolutely. going to affect people in different way, the way you and I differ on the Babadook, because it it affects sure. me sure. In, in a way that it, it didn't it didn't communicate to you. Exactly. And that's not right. to downplay you or right. or to like belittle right. you. And it's not, just and a matter I, of fact. It follows did not do that yeah, for right. me, and, and by, no, by no means do I think that you're a fool for right. liking the Babadook, right? Or am, I'm not be like, what the fuck is wrong with you, you? dummy? Oh, you're just pretentious because it's a metaphor. Like, no, not at all. I'm just watch go wanna... watch Charlie Brown. <laughs> That's more your speed. When, and when if you know me and you know that. I have my balls cut. I will never have kids. I do not like kids. I don't give a fuck about kids. Here, newsflash, people. <laughs> no, but you know, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like the Babadook is not for me. Yeah. And and well, I'm I, like the only person in the world that I'm like, oh, I thought that kid was really adorable. Like I was not that. Like, <laughs> well, I thought the kid in the Babadook was very realistic portrayal yeah. of a sure, kids I under stress. I don't understand the hate so. for him. Like I yeah. think he actually yeah. gives a very good performance yep. Yep. and. That might be one of the most underrated or underappreciated performances of the last mm, few years sure. is Samuel and the Babadook. Because, like, they could have just made him a brat. I mean, he kind of is, but he's a realistic one. He's, just uh, a, he's a kid. He's a I hyper have kids kid. around that age. Like, yeah. And they are like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and just even, like, like, the grieving aspect of the Babadook. Mm. So like, I mean, I lost my dad when I was 20, and so I obviously had a lot of grieving and, like, connection. Yeah. But... I feel like ever since then, and through other deaths in my life, I'm very upset, upset, uh, accepting of death. Like, death does not scare me, mm-hmm. does not fear me. Like, people die, and yes, it's sad, but it doesn't destroy me. Mm-hmm. And so I just, again, I'm just a cold-hearted individual. So when it comes to the Duke, that whole metaphor aspect right. just does not connect well, with me. And but, I even really like the Duke, but at the same time... I honestly think the horror elements are the weakest part about it. Oh, absolutely. Because to me, they feel tacked on. I'm like, if this would have just been an emotional grieving experience between this mother and this son trying to keep it together, I mean, you could have even had the book and whatever, but like when it tries to kind of hit you over the head with the horror elements, especially in the final act, it just, for me, it doesn't really gel with the rest of the film. And I mean, I, I still really like it, but I like at the end of the day, I'm just like, well, I'm like... I might have liked this more if it would have just been a drama. Like, mm, sure. Well, I think I I 
really think it is mm-hmm. at the core of it. I, yeah. I really think it is, and I don't think you necessarily have to take it as a literal metaphor on death, more grieving and loss right. of anything in your life. Oh yeah, that absolutely. you can't yeah, get beyond depression. That yeah. you can't get beyond, yeah. and that you're stuck in. And that's why, like, the ending of that movie is so perfect to me. It's just like to mm. me. It's just like when it ended. I was when it got to that last section. I was just like, I hope it does this. And it did it. And I was like, wow. Sure. I it's love, very rare that that happens. Yeah, I me. love like that last like five minutes. It's kind of the build up to that, that I feel like it plays more of the too conventional horror that didn't really gel with what had come before. And what like the actual ending, like the... I mean, you'll know it when you see the movie, but it's kind of that that build up to it is what I didn't think worked. But the ending that you're that I think you're talking about, I I loved that. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of the, well, I'm like you you I feel like you could have gotten to this level in a different, more clever way, mm-hmm. as opposed to just kind of playing towards the the regular horror. Tropes. Yeah, true, true. But but speaking to to the the art house, yeah, what you right, were right. you were saying before. You want to finish your your thought? Oh, I just think in a way, I'm a very go lucky guy, and I can be very jolly, but I'm very pessimistic at the same time. And I think that is what didn't work for me with the Baba Duke is that I accept life sucks, and I know life sucks, and like I move on. You know, like there's mm-hmm. tons of shit in my life that I could be super bummed out about, and yeah, I get bummed out about it. But I also understand like fucking get past it and I understand that there's stuff that you cannot get over and again it's I'm just a cold hearted individual but I just I, I just well, but in reference I, but, but in reference to to films like this mm-hmm. that people accuse you of not getting and and things oh, of that I nature I that like yeah. you didn't like it because you didn't understand that like right. I had that all the time with Kevin and Lewis I'm like no I got it I just didn't yeah. particularly like Absolutely. it you're like, a horror fan how could you not <laughs> yeah. get what the I'm fuck like, that I get yes. what they were going for yep. Tone-wise, it didn't work for me. Yep. I understand why people love it, and I totally get that. It just, no, it just, it rubbed me the wrong way. And, and I'm sure a lot of people that say this, too, like, oh, you didn't get it because you didn't understand it. Like, I don't know if everyone does this, but especially when a movie, like, It Follows or The Babadook, when I finish it, I spend the next, like, three hours reading on it. I want to mm-hmm. read If other it's something people. that I really, like, really touched something in Well, me. even films I didn't like, but I want to hear what other people's interpretations are. And I want to see if maybe people are highlighting stuff that I'm not seeing or I'm overlooking and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I would love to read an essay about your review on <laughs> Halloween, too, because, like... <laughs> That's something it was far I, more interesting than Right. <laughs> right? You I'll know, tell you so, that. I didn't find that about uh, in me about mm-hmm. It Follows whatsoever. Sure. The moment I walked out of that movie, I was just like, I never care about hearing or yeah. seeing yep. this movie ever and again. I read a lot of stuff on people's thoughts on It Follows and what they liked about it and what worked and why they think it has lasting power. And it just... I think it's okay. it's proofs in the pudding. It is a resonant film, sure. and it's going to be around. If anything of this this decade, it follows maybe that movie. But now let's look at let's look at films that do have the lasting power. So you know, I mean, even if we go back to like The Exorcist, that has lasting power. That's way more of a dramatic film than what you still haven't seen, have you? Have not. Yeah. 
The original answer is <laughs> Wowza. But you know, I mean, that's a, that's a dramatic film. That had you did see the Covenant, though. Uh, yeah. Well, like, the problem with The Exorcist is that <laughs> I've seen, like, every single parody ever made for it. Oh, and it's like, I'm so, like, I look at my shot. Yeah, is it and necessary it to see it? Yeah. yeah. Like, and I'm just, I'm afraid that I'm not going to have that emotional response that I want to have with it. Because I've seen, like, Scary right. Movie 2 and Repossessed. And, like, sure. I've sure. kind of seen all of those moments. Yep. Yep. Well, and, or like even The Shining, yeah, very dramatic film that has horror elements to it. A lot of the films that have resonating power, I feel, are the dramatic films mm-hmm. that almost occur in a horror setting. Yeah. You know, they're not. Is it follows a horror movie? I wouldn't call it a straight up horror movie. No. I think it's a very dramatic movie. It's a it's a dark drama that touches upon horror. Well, so that's why I give it the label of art house yes, horror. Yeah, yeah, but there's it's it's right. it's a, a blanket term I use for films that don't necessarily use horror yep. as the linchpin to yep. sell that film. Yep. It's it's speaking about a much broader subject. But I think that those are the films that they're well, they're more accessible. I think you know because the people that don't like horror can find stuff to like about it, mm-hmm. or they can watch it because it's not going to be. The Saw movies, you know, what people yeah. think are its modern day. Now, now I want to ask you guys, because this this leads me down a, a, a path for films that I really love, because this is a genre that I'm really I really enjoy. Like films that are that are a mixture of the drama and the horror. Mm-hmm. I really like these kind of mm-hmm. movies. What were you guys' thoughts on Lovely Molly? I actually haven't watched it. You haven't watched it yeah. yet? Did you see you saw it, right? Yeah, I saw it. I think it's another one I need to rewatch. Uh, I don't remember it too much, but I know it kind of lost me halfway through. Sure. And it just, it didn't have something, I couldn't grab onto anything yeah. in it. Um, God, I'm trying to just even remember specific, because you really liked it, right? I really, well, I'm a big Eduardo Sanchez fan. See, I, so other than Altered, I know you fuck, are Fuck, I love Altered yeah, so I much. Know. I know you do. That's like the only one of his that I truly love. Yeah. I bought it based on your recommendation. I still haven't watched it yet. Oh, yeah. I, a fun one. I, I, I really, like I really one. like I that one. I really like, but uh, I watched, what, Seventh Sign, right? Or Seventh Moon? Was Seventh Moon. Seventh Moon. Again, it was okay. That's another um, one of those art house horror. It definitely, picks. absolutely, it big time. Is, absolutely yeah. is. And then uh, exists, which yeah. I haven't seen exist yeah, yet. Anyway. I've I've kind of stayed away from this whole uh, Sasquatch subgenre sure. that's been popping up because. Well, if you're gonna make a werewolf movie, just make a goddamn werewolf movie. I don't want. I don't yeah. care about Sasquatch. Well, yeah. And Sasquatch like, is like a goddamn bacon of horror movies. I don't. Want, I don't. It's a. It's the it thing. Everyone thinks they love Sasquatch movies for some unknown reason. Well, like when you kind of mentioned the kind of title of like out art house horror, like outhouse. I, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. No, no that's what I make. I make outhouse horror. But like with that, like. Like, how would you define that? I mean, would it just be, like, a movie that got really good reviews that kind of meshes genres together? Or I, I think it, it is entirely the film itself. I don't think... I think you have to step outside of the marketing. Mm-hmm. I think you have to step outside of uh, the fan base. I think you have to just purely look at the film itself okay. and what was the film's intentions and what was the presentation of that film and how did it communicate its message. And art house horror, horror to me, are usually films... That, that are patient, that have a broader scope to them than just pure exploitation. Right. They, they are films that are speaking about bigger subjects 
and they're they're doing them in mature ways mm-hmm. and m- more times than not they breathe and they're very slow paced well, slow burn type films because like the movie that I would have a question is that if you would kind of include it in there because it kind of fits some of that but not all of it but like what would you say about a movie like Housebound I haven't seen Housebound okay. yet I've been waiting well I mean that kind of mixes like the genres together and I mean it kind of it is a slow burn, but not really. I mean, have you, you didn't really like it, though, right? Yeah, I wasn't terribly okay. fond of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's another one that, like, the people that love it, like, absolutely yeah, they sure do. love yeah. it. And, I mean, would you kind of put it under that, or? Um, but I also feel that that almost borderlines parody. It's or not, 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 comedy, maybe, maybe not it? parody. It's dark comedy. Like, yeah, it. I don't. It's not as spoof either. I don't know. See, it's very. It's a fine sure. line. Like. And it's really interesting in the fact that, like, if you're going into it, like, the first, like, 45 minutes is setting up a movie that is completely different from, like, the rest of the film. Like, right. Like, you kind of kind of go into it expecting, like, this supernatural tale, and then it just kind of throws the rug from underneath you, and then it kind of does that again at the yeah. end. Like, and it's just... I wouldn't say that it... On my first... My one and only viewing, I wouldn't say that it's trying to... The film's trying to have a voice that right. carries on. Mm-hmm. So I would say it wouldn't maybe fit under what Derek's saying is uh, art I, house I, horror. Well, no. See, when I think of art house horror, I think of Begotten. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think of films that that challenge your perception of what the genre really is mm-hmm. and experiment with convention in ways that may be hard for people to grasp at first and that's why I think it follows definitely yeah. as an art house well, horror under, film. under that is, definition though I think I would put Housebound under there because mm-hmm. it does kind of mesh like like but it's five, also the presentation of yeah. it it's it done in an unconventional way I would say definitely the final act is sure I mean it's really weird like yeah <laughs> that's it that's 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 an interesting point because I wouldn't have thought of that one initially yeah, and it's just I mean that's kind of one of those movies that's kind of dark comedy it's 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 so I don't know it, it's one of those movies that you can you can describe it but there's just there it, it's not necessarily that it, and it has a voice that it wants to say something, but there's many different layers to it. And you have to experience it yeah. more than just sit in. Right. And that's what I would, yeah, I think if if we're going to go in that route, that is definitely, mm-hmm. when you talk about art house horror films, is that, mm-hmm. yeah, you could give a plot synopsis, but right. it, you won't understand what that film is until mm-hmm. you literally sit and with it. And that's what Husband very much is. Like, sure. You can't really describe it in one sentence. Sure. It's not like, okay, well, this is what happens. Yeah. Yeah, or if you did describe it in one sentence, it would sound bland, bland as shit. Yeah, you know, like, it's oh. it's so weird. Well, that's what that same thing. Not not to make it a Mimi show, but that's the same thing. When people ask me, well, what's hole in the wall? Mm-hmm. Right. It's an art house horror film. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Yeah. Something I, I, I can't put a finger on, but you have you have to experience <laughs> it to understand. Fingers. Or five fingers <laughs> off the buckle. So have either of you seen? And I'm sure I'm going to butcher the name. Berberian Sound Studio? Oh, yeah, I've seen some of it. I haven't watched the whole thing. Okay, because that certainly, I would say, is art. Right, well, and, and that, and, like, like um, The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, that... I've never even heard of that one. That's, okay, the director of Amur? Uh, Amur? Okay, yeah. Um, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I was nominated for a Best Picture. It's, it's... Oh, okay. 
it, it is. He it, makes really weird movies. Well, it's this like... is it's it's basically kind of an homage to uh, the Giallo. Okay. But done in a very like overtly stylish okay. way, and it's it's more about the style than any sort of real story. Oh well, and it's an experimental kind of okay film. Um, so it is more like an art piece where sure. you're just going to have to experience it, and then you'll take away from it what. What you think okay. it really okay. is. So okay. stuff like that. Yeah, well, well Berberian Studio, Sound Studio, whatever the fuck that name is. I, I can think never you got it. it. It's, because it's it centers around a giallo. They're recording the Foley for a giallo. Mm-hmm. But they bring in the sound engineer that does not like horror. And he's they're forcing him to work on it. But the film, as a filmmaker, it was a really interesting movie to watch because sound is being... You know they're spending a lot of time on it, which is an aspect of film I think goes overlooked very much so, mm-hmm. and and so I had a certain level of appreciation for it, and then in the final act, I mean it it really becomes something else, and I understand I certainly understand where it was going. The presentation of that final act is what right. prevented me from being able to really enjoy it. It's it's a deep movie, and I mean I think it's worth watching, and especially it's a slow one. Yeah, it's, you're not the first but, person that's that said this to me about this movie. Yeah, it uh, it's a, it's worthwhile to watch, but yeah, that final that final act, that presentation just that's, didn't do it for me. Well, that's un, that's the thing about art house horror yeah, yeah. to me is that it's gonna it's gonna resonate with some, yep. and it's gonna die with others, and boys. This has been one long, <laughs> windy episode. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I, I think we're going to have to wrap it up. Maybe we can come back and so do another one of these. Holiday horror, yeah. So holiday horror, yeah, whatever. We didn't get to it. Here, how about how about we make it official? Each of us just list the movie we were going to talk about. So I was going to talk about Trick or Treat. Okay, Trick or Treat. I was going to pick a really weird one, and I was going to go for Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toymaker. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting. I wouldn't have picked that one, but that's interesting. <laughs> and I was just going to talk about Gremlins. I <laughs> but uh, I was going to bring up The Children, the film from the Netherlands. It Children? Was like I was going to bring that one up at some point. Well, I was really, if I, if I wanted to be honest, I was going to bring in Death Dream. Oh. Mem- Memorial Day. Okay. Vietnam vet comes home and Memorial Day becomes a zombie. The Bob Clark one? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So there's... Okay, there you go. Oh. Now it's a holiday horror film. Enjoy the episode, fuckers. <laughs> yeah, there was your holiday <laughs> horror, so... <laughs> yeah, make it a Bob Clark double feature and do Black Christmas Tale. Yeah. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. And then a Christmas story. We'll do yeah. a Yeah, there feature. you go. Hey, we... Yeah. Boy. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. So, all right, boys, let's wrap this up. <laughs> this was, this is, uh, at this point, almost three hours long. So, but this is exactly what I figured this was going to be, because this is exactly every time we get this together, we do. I just figured that, well, let's pull these two guys together, and we'll just do what we do anyway. Let's we'll put just, a microphone We'll in just have us. a microphone in the midst of it. So, um, well, I've seen Derek more in, like, last month than I have, like, in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or if that's a bad thing. Do you I mean, mean you, you see him more in person, or you've seen more of him <laughs> than you have? Just in person. Oh, okay. Right. Come on, right. guys. Don't, don't throw me under the bus yet no (laughs) no we would never do that never never nutsack john
<laughs> yeah, that's my name now. <laughs> we won't go into that. So, anyways, boys, this is the part of the show where we're gonna sit and hawk our wares. We're gonna let you know where we could find each other, where you can find each and every one of us, and buy our movies or whatever you want to do. John, you want to pimp some of your stuff? You can check out our latest short film, Pity, at pityfilm.com, seven-minute short film. You can watch it entirely on pityfilm.com. We have Blu-rays and DVDs with two and a half hours of special features available. The link at pityfilm.com. Otherwise, on the Facebooks, Head Trauma Productions, Pity, Deadweight, or myself, John Pata, P-A-T-A is the last name. I don't really post a whole lot on the Book of Face, but I'm on there anyway. Yep, and you can also find his uh, first film, Better Off Undead, via um, the Rabbit Child Films uh, Vimeo on video on demand page. So you can go there if you're going to go check out yeah. Hole in the Wall. Just click on Rabbit Child Films, and it'll take you right to Better Off Undead, which is a fun little zombie short. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> definitely do it. So, all right. Kevin, you're up. Well, if you want to watch something that we didn't talk about today, we just released our own holiday horror movie. It's <laughs> <this> Memory Christmas. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can get your fix there on slasherstudios.com. Head over to the Slasher Studios store. Uh, we also have it on Amazon, and you can rent it on there. And then we also have our first feature, Don't Go to the Reunion, also available on the Slasher Studios store. We're kind of everywhere online, so stop by, drop us a line. Let us know what you think. Well, why don't you talk also about the podcast you do? Oh, yeah. We also do, um, with my co-host, Andrew, uh, on Blog Talk Radio, we do Slasher Studios Horror Podcast. Uh, every week is a different topic. And, yeah, we just talk about whatever. I mean, this week we're going to be doing um, uh, performances in horror that should have been recognized by the Academy. Last week mm-hmm. we did um, Best Horror Villain Reveals. So um, mm-hmm. each week we try to make it fun and just kind of have our own little topic and we try to make it original in the fact that neither one of us knows what's going to be on the person's list. So it's it's good stuff. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I think my inclusion in that w- would be for Best Picture, why Things has never been nominated for Seriously. an Academy Award. I have no idea. <laughs> well, that's because well, yeah, right. it should at least won some Canadian awards. Well, it should have won a global award for a glo- <laughs> the greatest work of art ever made. Beautiful. Oh, it's just <laughs> astounding. But anyways, <laughs> as always. I forgot to plug that you can watch Deadweight on Hulu Plus, and you should do that. You should do that. That would be great. We yes. get, we get theoretically, we get eight cents per play that we will never see ever. But it's nice to think that it would happen. Yeah, it's exciting to be a to have a distributor for it's your the film, best. isn't it? It's the best. We will actually have that conversation again at some point, John. <laughs> you know, we did have this whole like two hour episode that we recorded where we actually talked about a lot of really cool things. We did. But it's it's a fart in the wind at but this you point. Hate me. It's a it's a memory that only you and I will have. Aww. So it's kind of like a, got a lot of those. under the under the table <laughs> hand jumps. So as always, <laughs> I am your, I'm your host Derek Carey. Uh, you can find me at Astro Radio Z Podcast at gmail.com on Facebook on Twitter for Astro Radio Z. It's also a Tumblr page, but I don't fucking post anything to that anymore. It's just another way to find the show. There's a WordPress site where you can go and you can find all the old episodes, or you can just go to astroradioz.com. You can find every single episode of this show of Film Jerks, which may be dead. We may be killing Film Jerks. Oh boy. 
Wait sometimes till, they come back. Well, sometimes they do come back. We'll see. I don't know. But for right now, it, it is dead. The group is still up. So if you want to go to the Film Jerks and you want to see it come back, be active. Part of the reason it's dying is nobody's doing anything mm. for it anymore. So we may just kick it out the pasture and say happy trails. But uh, also on AstroRadioZ.com, you can find my good friend Corey J. Udler's Three Stooges podcast, The Stooge Cast, which actually outdoes all of my <laughs> other podcasts. Amazingly, well, it's the only Three Stooges podcast out there oh, right shit. now. And he, he talks. Yeah, yeah, and he talks to relatives and people that were really firmly entrenched in uh, Three Stooges awesome. culture. So check that stuff out. Um, like these two guys, I make outhouse horror films. <laughs> you, <laughs> you can find my films at rabbitchildfilms.storyenvy.com. You can pick up, actually, if you want to, uh, you can pick up uh, Kevin's new movie, Dismembering Christmas. Um, I also have a couple of Corey's movies on there. I have Mediatrix and The Girl Who Played with the Dead. Literally the only copies of those films that are left in existence. He no longer has any of the Incest Death Squad movies for sale. Don't ask me. You're not going to find them. He wants them gone. So whoever has those out there, you hold the key to their life <laughs> from here on out. Whoa. Unless that's all a the, lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure you guys have to, to not be total fucktards about it. Just hold on to them and love them and pass them around like they should be passed around. So, But uh, I have those. And, you, of course, you can find Swamphead in our new anthology film that all three of us yeah. were a part of hole in the wall you can find it there it just went up on amazon.com on amazon on demand you can rent it and buy it there digitally on vimeo you can rent it and buy it digitally there you can get dvd for me blah 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 so anyways jesus if i knew that we could promote our stuff for two minutes i would have done that <laughs> dude Nobody listens to this part of the show anyways. <laughs> I could sit here and talk about masturbatory habits and nobody would fucking care and never get back to me. I'd probably I, listen. You would. I know you would. <laughs> you want to know this stuff. True. Yeah, yeah. So from me, Kevin, and John, thanks for listening to Astro Radio Z, folks. Say goodbye, people. Goodbye, people. Goodbye, people. People. people.